on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Did Liz Hurley peak in 2000 with her performance in Bedazzled? Where did Brendan Fraser go for all these years? And how did we ever overlook the inherent creepiness of his nice guy stalker character in this movie? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We're powered by Audio Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John Peck, and joining me is the second biggest Brendan Fraser fan that I know, Miss Ellie Hart. How you doing? Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Why am I the second biggest Brendan Fraser fan? Who's the number one? Well, so, so I thought, I'm going into this thinking that I'm the biggest Brendan Fraser fan, but... I'm open to persuasion by the end of this that it could be you because <laughs> just from <laughs> our chatting, I know that you're up there. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll settle it by the end of the episode. We'll, we'll make a decision about who that is. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Battle to the death. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very noble battle. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but Such this is guy. the first Brendan Fraser movie that we've done on Comedy Rewind. Which is, is interesting because, really? you know, he had, a, he had a pretty decent go at it in the 90s, but nothing, no movies that I really wanted to cover, I guess, in that first wave. I'm trying to think what would be the biggest contender. Maybe Blast from the Encino Park. Man? Yeah. When was Encino Man? Yeah, I don't know if that's going to be... I don't know if I ever saw that one, actually. So maybe I'm not the biggest Brendan Fraser fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not great. Like. Yeah. And yeah. Airheads was another one that, like, you look I at love it on, on paper, it looks good, but there's not really a reputation for most of those movies, even though he's Didn't great. I, I pitched that one to you for, like, I'm happy to talk about Airheads if you want to talk about that one. Maybe we'll come back to it. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, like, Brendan Fraser, such a, a force. Not, not so mm-hmm. much with those, you know, bad movies, but The Mummy was obviously late 90s. Mm. and George of the Jungle was probably the first one that I remember watching as a kid and thinking that that was great. But um, yeah, somehow he got this reputation among people like us, I guess. And and maybe it was through mostly through The Mummy, but I loved him on Scrubs. He was really great with like some cameo episodes that were really powerful. Um, And he was fantastic in those episodes. But he's had an, an interesting career, like probably didn't go the way that it, we all thought it would and yeah kind of like uh, looking back through his filmography which we'll get to later like he's never really stopped working which is good but he, he just hasn't had those big roles yeah. that we thought he would and it got, it got to the point where i feel like everyone forgot about him and chris pratt was coming out here and doing guardians of the galaxy and doing jurassic world and i, I I've, I've always like been a big chris pratt fan and i just think like he's the new Brendan Fraser, like he's handsome, he's got good body, he's got the witty one one liners, he can play it a bit serious. Um, yeah. He's got you know a good serious look Goose on his them. face, and the, the, it's just like he's the new yeah. version. And I feel like that's what Brendan Fraser could have been, basically, is this super duper megastar. Yeah, well, he like in my opinion, he reached a super duper megastar kind of level when his biggest blockbuster. Yeah, I guess The Mummy was his biggest blockbuster. I would say that that was probably his Mm. major, like, top point in, you know, in his work, unfortunately. But, like, as you said, like, he just kept on working and working. And um, 
I think his downfall was he did keep on just accepting roles. And I think like the last ones that I really remember was, is it the um, Adventure to the Center of the Earth or something he did? It was like, okay. yeah, it was some like kind of like kids family adventure film. And I know that was a bit of a flop and I just, you know, assumed he just kept on getting flop after flop. So that's got to, you know, beat you down a yeah, bit. Yeah, I think the story behind that is that he was involved in some Me Too kind of thing. Oh, right, on the, yeah. On, on, on the good side of it, if there is a good side, like he was the victim, I should say. Mm. Um, where he he came out when all those stories were coming out a couple of years ago. Like, he, he was at some kind of fancy Hollywood dinner or party or event and a, an executive, similar to, like, what happened with Terry Crews, like, grabbed him by the genitals or, or his bum or something, mm-hmm. like, that humiliated him. And I think yeah. he either, like, spoke up and was silenced and, like, kicked out of, you know, the elite circles to the point that he wasn't being cast. Yeah. In the roles, or he wasn't getting auditions for the roles that he previously would have. I, I think that's what happened. So, a really sad story, but I'm really that, glad that he's yeah. having somewhat of a comeback. Like, since that story came out, I think he's been given a bit more of a chance to, to come back into some, some roles that he wants to do, which is cool because he seems like the yeah. nicest, genuine person, yeah, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he's, he just seems like he seems like he is the you know, genuine sweet character that he has a tendency to play. <laughs> yes. Just a lovable guy, you know? Yeah, he's the guy. So he's, it, he's it's the guy from this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I should say we are talking about Bedazzled, the two thousand comedy yes. <laughs> starring Brendan <laughs> Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley. Um and for some reason I maybe you mentioned it, Ali, but I just had you pegged for doing this movie for a while what what is uh what is it about this film apart from brendan fraser that made you want to get in and talk about it um weirdly enough it's a family favorite (laughs) um like this is one of those vhs's that um was always on repeat in our um in our family home uh my mum always liked to make mention that there was an original that was very very good actually um so we would yep, hear nine, that 1967 that's right so my mum was always uh, quick to repeat that every time we started watching this film but um <laughs> Brendan Fraser like always had like a little you know special soft spot growing up and um like between this movie and Blast from the Past, which was also in rotation mm. in our home. So I think it was just always like it was a funny movie. There was like, you know, a bunch of wacky characters and such. So um, I feel like that's why this movie was um, just one of my favorites growing up. Yeah, it's a movie for me that's not on that level that it is for you where like I didn't rewatch it a bunch of times. I definitely didn't. But I remember, like watching it on DVD or something like that, and being like, "Oh, this is this is great!" Like, love Brendan Fraser, George of the Jungle. You know, came out came out in Australia in like early, like January two thousand one. So I would have been thirteen or uh, yeah. twelve, turning yeah, sorry, thirteen, turning fourteen that year. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I don't really have specific memories of watching it. I just remember thinking like, "Yeah, that was a that was a fun little movie," um, you know about the devil which isn't something <laughs> and you can say too often <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's, always, it's always like um i think like especially with like younger people the addition of like wacky wishes always makes um yes. makes for good storytelling 
Yeah, it's very much in the same vein as Bruce Almighty, I realized, since we just did that a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, right down to, well, well, we'll get into kind of things that happen in the movie, but it's that it's a fantasy comedy, they call yeah. it. And yeah, it's, it's this, kind of the same thing that happens in all these movies probably like anything with a genie or whatever where you know you make the wish it doesn't go as you as you plan yeah and that old trope but that's it's it's all good fun especially when you have brendan fraser at the middle of it an honorable mention to elizabeth hurley as well that yeah. stunning fox in the you know i guess this would be you could say it was her prime but looking at her now i'd say she still looks amazing <laughs> so when yes, she's not she dating does. cricketers. <laughs> she does look great. Um, but for whatever reason, she her star kind of faded. I, I don't mm. know if it's because of this, but she was like a scab in some of the um, like strikes, the actor strikes or the oh, writer yeah. strikes or whatever, mm. where she was like working when she wasn't meant to be working and she was getting protested and, and stuff like that. So I don't know <laughs> if that would be enough to kind of kick someone out of you know, she, she's she's a person that people would have gone to movies to see at a certain point. So I don't know if that would be enough. I just realised she was in uh, Austin Powers. Yes, and yeah. that was the other one that I <laughs> I think we did a show on that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. We so we probably talked about her a little bit there, but she pretty much did that and this. <laughs> and <laughs> and then then, that was <laughs> like, can you think of another Elizabeth Hurley movie? Because not not to my <laughs> my library of what I've watched, so. But it's shocking because she was so big in this. Like she was. She yeah, she, advertising front and center, like, yeah. like, and you like you know why? Like she looks gorgeous, so oh, why yeah. why wouldn't you? But but she's she's also just an amazing performance in this movie. Like she's <sighs> perfect in this role, and I she's so fiery and catty and like witty and sexy and it's like she she just nails it like i can't think of anyone else that could really pull it off to the same extent where they're like attractive but they're also a bit little little bit intimidating and scary and exactly maybe it's the the british accent or something but you you would have watched this movie and thought like oh she's gonna be around forever and she's still working which we'll get to but um yeah it's just surprising that she never really had a, like this was her peak essentially as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I'd agree. All right, so the film was made for forty eight million dollars, and it made ninety million dollars, which is a nice little turnaround. It's not a massive, huge smash success, but it's certainly enough, you know, to be a hit. Mm. Uh, do you want to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score? I know what the IMDb score is, and it's mm-hmm. surprisingly not great. I have very yeah. fond <laughs> memories of this movie, and a lot of people that I talk about with this movie have fondness to it as well, but I assume it's probably just as bad. It's probably sitting at, like, I don't know, like, what, like 50, 40, like, low. Yeah, it's um, bang on 50%, so mm, good guess. I guess, I guess it's... <laughs> better to be on the even side i guess like midway than bottom bottom but still i don't get it i don't get it it was it's fine it's obviously not a masterpiece but yeah Yeah. i guess from like a critic's perspective there's not really anything like super original in the movie true Um, true but and you know being a remake i think there are 
there was, that was an era where they might have been a bit harsher on movies that were just like, oh, it's a bit lazy. They've just remade another classic from the 60s or whatever. But, you know, remakes have, have been around forever. Like, it's not... It wasn't a new thing at all no. by that point. Like, Nutty Professor is an ex- example of a kind of a similar plot and movie like yeah. to this again, uh, being a remake of something from, like, the 60s or whatever in the 90s, but... Yeah, um, they were yeah. doing that around that time too, because then there was like the was it the the dozen the family that has like a bunch of kids and cheaper by the dozen. That's Is that it. A yeah, yeah. So oh. they were kind of like, I guess that was maybe what was happening for the time where they, although it happens now. So that's funny because Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union are doing a cheaper by the dozen remake now oh <laughs> in twenty in twenty twenty one. So it's a remake of a remake. Is what you're telling me? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Did not realize that. There you go. All right, I've got a, a, a quote here from a, a movie critic, Jeffrey Lyles, who said, This is about as simple and uncomplicated as you can get, but it isn't trying to do anything beyond providing some quick and easy laughs in a refreshingly heavenly comedy. And I I, I agree. echo that sentiment. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's true. It's very simple. It's uncomplicated. It gets straight to the point, really, like within like 10 minutes, I think. You've got Liz Hurley there presenting Brendan Fraser's character with this, you know, proposal and it just goes from there. And it's fairly predictable, like, you know, it's not going to work out when he makes a wish. Yeah. <laughs> How's she going to screw him over this time? Mm-hmm. But it's it's fun. And I, I thought it was funny to, to rewatch after, oh, I don't know, at least 15, if not 20 years <laughs> since I'd yeah. seen it. I'd say it probably would have been a good like five to ten years since I watched it the last time. Mm, yeah. All right, Ali, what do you reckon the number one song would have been when this movie released? In Australia, it was January 25, 2001. Mm, 2001. Where was I? I wasn't even in high school yet. Mm, would it be a Spice Girls song? Let's have a look. I've got the actual, like, years... Number ones, because I realized when I was looking at this that it was the year that I must have started paying attention to music. pop music because I was like, oh, what an amazing year for music. <laughs> but so, like, it, the number one song during this release was Cruisin' by Gwyneth Paltrow and Huey Lewis, that old duet. Oh, Do you remember that one? Yes, that was for a movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, what was the movie called? Duets? I think it was called what's called duets, yeah, yeah. Um, but prior to that, it was Teenage Dirtbag, another movie, and then yeah, and then next after Cruisin' was Can't Fight the Moonlight by Leanne Rhymes from Coyote another movie. Ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Coyote Ugly, oh. yeah, yeah. And then we had Stan by Eminem, not for a Maya movie. Case of the X, It Wasn't Good Me song. by Shaggy, uh, Lady Marmalade, you know for, the for by Christina Pink, etc. Yeah, movie soundtrack. Mm. Uh, Angel by Shaggy, uh, Hanging by a Moment, Lifehouse, Bob the Builder, Can We Fix It? Oh, no, it was that year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was that year. Afro Man, Because I, I Got High. Got High, another movie. Oh, well, it got yeah. attached to a movie. Oh, it didn't, yeah. I'm sure it Scary did. movie. <laughs> I'm pretty certain it got attached to Scary Movie. Uh, okay, sure. And then um, to to finish the year off for a couple of months, Smooth Criminal by Alien Ant Farm. Good song. Yeah, and so the second was... best song is called "Movies." <laughs> <laughs> I sense the theme. Yeah, so it was a um, 
It was a big year for music, at least in uh, in my house, with the So Fresh album covering off most of those Hot those hits. bangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it makes you think like, was it a good year for music or was it just when I like noticed or started I paying attention? Could have been when you were just paying attention. Like there are some yeah. classics that could probably still be recognized today. But yeah, to mm, me, they just sound like the yeah. radio rotation. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So what have you done for me lately? There's only really two people in this movie that are worth talking about. Sounds so um, bad, but as far true. as as far as actors, and I think Brendan Fraser and Liz Hurley are on screen for like, you know, 90% of the film. Mm-hmm. Actually, I should look up the actress that played his love interest because she's obviously a big part as Frances well. Frances O'Connor. Yeah, I should see what she's been doing. But we'll start with Brendan Fraser. Um, Doom Patrol is a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about this. Have, have you checked it out? Yeah, I, I loved it. It was a great series. Um, Done by DC. Is. So Doom Patrol, it's a bunch it's like it's like a little like comic book offshoot of these, you know, ragtag people who have superpowers. Mm-hmm. And um well they've got powers of some variety, but they're, you know, they're the rejects. They, you know, they're hidden away and they don't want to really you know, deal with society, but they get involved with something where okay. you know they they use their powers and cyborg is in it, um, one that people probably do recognize. Um, sure. but it's, it's, it's just really well done. Um, unfortunately, Brendan Fraser from the most part of it is a voice because he's a robot right. and he's a <laughs> robot character. <laughs> so it's mostly a voice. Um, okay. I don't know for any big, um, Brendan Fraser fans, but on the very first episode, I think you get to see his bum. Ooh. <laughs> so Brendan take- Fraser bum. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but not like 2000, the mummy era, Brendan Fraser bum. It's like. It's kind of it's, washed up. It's dad. Bum. It's it's dad bum. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, it counts. Um, it counts. So Frances O'Connor, I have to admit, I didn't know who she was. Um, but looking at her 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 history, she's uh, must be an Australian actor because she was on like Blue Healers, The Man from Snowy River, Frontline, like all these things in the nineties before she made her way over to the you know the US like mm. yourself. Um, do you know much about her? Not really. To me, she was always one of those faces where you'd kind of see her in something and go, oh, yeah, like, that's a face I recognize. I wouldn't be able to name her if my life depended yeah. on it. But, yeah, I've seen that face. So the probably the biggest film I can recognize from her list is The Conjuring 2. Like, I've heard of that at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's still working. Nothing recently that you'd go, yeah, she was in that, but... Good on her, I guess. You know, that counts. <laughs> she's 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 made us. Well done, <laughs> Francis. Um, yeah. Liz Hurley is another one like similar to Brendan Fraser, like we said, kind of dropped off. Mm-hmm. Um, became known for probably as much her personal life as more than anything. Like she was dating Shane Warne, and she was engaged <laughs> to Shane Warne <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> You'd think she could get get like a she could she could do a lot better than Warney, I'd say. She'd have to. I don't get <laughs> no it. No offense uh, to Warney, but uh, you know she maybe she's a big cricket fan. She is mm. English, but she so similar to Fraser, never stopped working. Um, she's done a lot more TV than film, and that's apparent. Like looking at her filmography, she's like hasn't stopped working. She's done a lot of of TV series. 
mm. in a variety of like guest roles or like reoccurring parts. The most notable one would be Runaways, which was a Marvel, actually oh, part of the MCU, yeah. which sounds a lot like Doom Patrol <laughs> to me yeah. from what you described. Like, yeah. <laughs> kind of like a, a poor man's like X Men, like it's the, the low budget, like the, the characters that no one's heard of kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, and I haven't really heard anyone talk about it, to be honest. So I don't know if it's good, but, you know, it is it is Disney and Marvel, so it's not going to be awful. Yeah. But it's um it's not one of those series that was on the like the same kind of level as Daredevil and yeah. Jessica Jones and that kind of thing. Because mm. it was like a network TV thing instead of a, like a Netflix or cable or whatever. Yeah. Um, honorable mention to Orlando Jones. Um, he plays one of like the friends who appears in every scenario. Um, uh-huh. he's actually appeared in a few movies. I think it was like early two thousands. Like I feel like he was in everything. Like he was in one of my right. favorite movies called The Replacements. Yes. Um, and like Evolution is like another one. And I think. Oh, he was in that. Yeah, <laughs> remember that movie? Was he the black? He was. Was he the black guy or whatever? That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, I think he's been in American Gods recently, which is a pretty okay. successful TV series. So, but yeah, like I think he was like really, really hot in the early noughties. Like he'd always appear in a lot of things and then kind of faded away a little, unfortunately. Yeah. So you've got him, Paul Adelstein, and Toby Huss, who play like six characters in this movie. Like they just there in every iteration every of scenario yeah. reality yeah <laughs> and and paul adelstein's probably the one that i recognize because he was on prison break he was like oh. i think his name was kellerman he was like one of the goons like not one of the goons but like one of the government like agents on that so i really dig him and it was fun seeing him in like a comedic kind of performance in this movie mm. but anyway it's time for the categories what is the most 2000s moment in Bedazzled Alley. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything for this? Um, Elliot, like, his job is he does, like, tech support. And mm-hmm. he got he got very excited when he um, answered a phone call and the person said that their uh, PC was running 128 megabyte of RAM and 27 <laughs> gig hard drive. Um, in yeah. contrast to <laughs> nowadays where um, I run, like, like 16 gigabyte of ram and three terabyte of drive so um yeah. it was just funny hearing him get so excited <laughs> like oh you've got the you got the good stuff there i so love those fun. moments when, yeah. you, when you, you see like a snapshot of technology like, about, yeah. on, there's an episode of friends where chandler has like a new laptop and it's one mm-hmm. of those ones that's like it's like as thick as like a baguette basically yeah. like it's just like a brick, a brick basically yeah. and he's like He's like three gig, yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you find like old, um, like magazine ads for like floppy disks or something, and it's mm. like three three megabytes of storage. And you're like, whoa! You could hold so many documents on that. <laughs> yeah, so many um, JPEGs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one <GIF>. low, low, <laughs> low res JPEGs. No, yeah. no, no room for PNGs. No. Um, yeah, uh, there wasn't a ton of things f- for this one. I had like, there's a section where he has Polaroids for some reason. I'm trying to remember it's, which scene it was. It's uh, when they find out that um, his Mrs. Uh, Allison's been cheating on him when he's the first yeah. wish. And they got yeah. doubles because it was it was for the same price. 
yeah. So he's flicking through the, the those photos, and it's like, yeah, that that's a you know no screens involved in in showing those, and no printouts, it's the, the the old school photos. And um, but I was just gonna say, and the devil um provides him a pager to uh, yes. contact him. <laughs> True, I missed. The, I, I should have thought of that. That's a very obvious one. Mm-hmm. I guess because like pages have their place still like you but you you're in the medical like field doc, i understand doc, so, yeah. <laughs> for you it might be still yeah. but for us normies i mean i've i've never like used one i've never paged someone but mm. um <laughs> yeah it's it's funny that that's the go-to mm. thing is like pager yeah 666 the other thing i wanted to throw out there not a technology-based thing but kind of just like the style of this movie like the, the yeah. theme and the idea of it it's like we said already it's it's very much the nice guys finish last kind of woe is me i'm a nice guy nobody wants to talk to me mm. <laughs> um i'm going to try and be someone else yeah. yeah i'm going to try and be a different person to impress someone and it's not going to work and then you know i had it in, deep inside me all along um so you think of like we already mentioned the nighty professor the mask mm-hmm. would be like an example yes. with uh with stanley ipkiss so i just feel like that in itself is like a very uh i guess 90s and 2000s thing um yeah that uh maybe it's never gone away completely but it's definitely it was a major like, trope yeah and this was like it probably is like the most 90s thing of this, really, because this movie came out in 2000. So, um, yeah. Um, I also said a Dennis Rodman reference. Um, <laughs> yeah, and wants to be a basketball player. Yeah, she goes magic words, Dennis Rodman. And, and, and then the other keyword was Michael Jordan. So, those were the two yeah. key basketballers to reference. Um, That's good. And I'm impressed you picked that one up, Ali, because somehow I didn't think of it. Ah, I'm so glad because, you know, <laughs> like, I've got to put the basketball reference in here to impress yeah. Jono. Um, <laughs> and over, overall fashion and hairstyles, um, there was a lot of men wearing, um, like, sweaters and knitwear, um, mm. which was yes. a good, um, like, change from, like, late 90s to early 2000s, where it was kind of like a sophisticated menswear of wearing, like, knit mm. and sweaters. And everything that Liz wore as the devil, like, she looked stunning, but it was a very dated interpretation of high fashion. Right. See, I wouldn't have noticed that. I'm glad you did. (laughs) (laughs) She looked great. (laughs) She could wear a (laughs) potato sack and it'd still look amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, most iconic scene. What did you have for this one? Because there's a few contenders. Um, I had a few quotes. Um, one of my okay. favorite quotes um, is actually pretty early in the start. Um, she says, um, most men think they're God. This one happens to be right. When she's referring <laughs> to that the God is a man. Yeah, right. Um, and the classic <laughs> the classic one that I, I've still used today, which is, uh, you, know, you want to give 110%, <laughs> which is what I always yeah. love to say. Um, this was like one of the first times i remember someone like pinpointing the cliches of an, an athlete and the crap that they say <laughs> you want to do good i think we did pretty good yeah i think we did good. <laughs> and he says it like he says it on the court in the post-game interview and then i think he says it again in the locker he says room it, so yeah, it's he like... says it to him as a reporter because he, he only has so many quotes in his head to yeah. say yeah um and the other like iconic scene for me was um not only the sunset crying scene um, 
but um the dolphin song as well the song, the song, the song about the dolphins. It starts with the lines mayonnaise. "mayo, mayo, mayonnaise." Yeah, yeah. I wrote down for the most iconic scenes. I had basketball, beach, and meeting the devil for the first time. Mm. So the basketball one's iconic because it, he just looks so ridiculous, he looks weird, <laughs> and it's so so memorable. Like the way that they made him look, being like so but- huge and like. Hulking. I was pretty impressed with how well they did it, though, for the for the time. Like practical effects, yeah. Yeah, I think they did pretty well. Yeah, not only that, but the beach one where they make him like a, a redhead with like you know the freckles and like yeah. everything. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know why she had to like physically change what he looked like every time, but it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have more about that later. <laughs> yeah, um, him him crying like. Uh, on the beach every time he looks at the sunset it's probably the funniest joke in the whole movie i think it's just like every time it's it's funny (laughs) why would it set yeah like i feel like that's one of the main ones that a lot of people remember from this movie Mm. um like this like i said for someone like me that's watched it a million one times there's so many quotable lines there's so many things that i reference but i feel like for people that watch it you know, within the first or second viewing. I feel like, yeah, the sunset crying thing and, like you said, the basketball scenes are pretty memorable. Yeah. And there's also, like, the times where it seems like everything is going well. Like, when he's the um, like the, the author and he's at the mm. party and he takes her home and it's like, oh, this is going well. And then it, yeah, you're it waiting turns for out, oh, like, yeah, what, what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's some 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 great scenes in the movie. But I said meeting the devil because I, I love those scenes, and there's a similar one in Bruce Almighty where he meets God. In that case, and it's the it's always the same thing of like um you know prove to me who you are and like the kind of shenanigans that happen mm-hmm. to do that to mess with them, and um that that's always always fun and memorable because it's it's the it's the moment where the movie starts to be fun i guess and starts yeah. to play with the, the theme and the, the fantasy elements mm-hmm. what holds up the best um i wrote liz hurley um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i just said that like kind of like what you kind of focused on at the start where it's like for her in this role she managed to hold the, this character of being both sexy charismatic sassy dangerous like all the things that you would interpret the devil to be. Like sometimes she has to be forceful and scary and other times she has to be, you know, persuasive and flirty. And then there's times where she like gaslights him and just like makes, manipulates him into feeling bad for her. Like she just like, she maneuvers into all these like different kind of things and she's playing, she's playing the devil yet us as an audience, we enjoy her and we think she's great, even though she's, you know, giving patients, candy instead of medicine or she cuts mm-hmm. the traffic lights to make yeah. everyone have a mass accident but we're still like oh she's great and even like elliot <laughs> likes her so you know she does yeah. it so well plus yeah. she was 35 yeah. so she looked amazing she did yeah yeah like i said before i think it's her her best performance that i've seen at least and it's <laughs> the limited her, yeah. most, her most <laughs> her most memorable role and um, I think it'll be what we probably remember her for, probably more than Austin Powers. And yeah. that might be because, you know, Heather Graham came into the second movie and it's like, mm. you know, they probably kind of split that memory in half. And Beyonce, obviously, <laughs> for the third movie. Um, I beat that. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think what I, what I wrote down for this was just like how wholesome the movie is. I say this like almost every <laughs> on almost every episode, like when there's a wholesome movie. I I just think that like Elliot as a character is so nice, and I like relate to that character and the fact that he. <laughs> um, he wishes for his, you know, his love interest to have a happy life. And that's like, oh, such a sweet, nice Brenton Fraser kind of ending. And uh, I, I like that. It made me happy to see that. So I think it holds up in that aspect. What do you think? Oh, I'm just waiting for you to ask the next question based on what you said. Uh, okay. What, why does that not hold up? What, what holds up the worst? Elliot's a freaking stalker creep. <laughs> He's really he bad. Is. He's actually... He is. Really, really bad. He tracks her dating habits. When given the opportunity, he actually peeps on her in the shower. Um, he tries to. I think he gets interrupted before. Well, he's he's standing. He gets... <laughs> he's standing at the shower, looking in. So you know, like he's he's yeah. going for it. He he got the he invitation. He's yeah. a bit of a creep. Um, I, th- I think this is where this is his journey. You know, he he starts off obviously obsessive and creepy, and then. But like, just to, just to just to defend my earlier point about the wholesomeness <laughs> is that it ends in a wholesome way. But yeah, but, he is obsessively stalkery, creepy, sad, nice guy that doesn't know how to talk to. So, like he reads her diary, obviously. As he well. Re- well, technically, the devil reads a diary, but he listens. Yeah. Um. But so this is also when I elaborate a bit further because obviously, on my first many viewings, I didn't pick this up. But I'm just like, oh, he's lovesick. He really loves this woman. But I'm like, no, he's. He's stalkerish. He tracks her dating habits. He establishes mm-hmm. that they've never really spoken at all. And this complete stranger, he's using these wishes to essentially have this woman that's a stranger in his life, like just doing whatever he can to have this woman in his life. And she doesn't even really know who he is. And then yeah. even even at the end, when all the lessons are learned and everything like that, and he finally has the nerve to go up to her and say, hey, I'd really like to get to know you. Can we have a coffee? And she says, oh, I'm seeing someone. He even says the line, well, if it doesn't work out. Like, it's like, dude, like, just <laughs> let it go. <laughs> is that her, though? Or is it just someone that looks like her? That's her. It's Thousand. Just... Oh, was it? Yeah. Right. At, at the very so the... end. So what, like, devil created, like, an... Oh, okay. So oh, not the, not, the, not the one that the happy ending happens. Like the the very end when he he's meets the neighbor that looks yeah, exactly yeah. like her. He looks exactly yeah. like her, but it's not her. But the one in they have the moment in the office where right. he finally has okay. the nerve to ask her out for coffee, sure, and she sure. says, "I'm seeing someone." But it's like, okay, yeah. If that doesn't work <laughs> out, it's like, dude. Yeah, he yeah. Okay, I guess he doesn't <laughs> learn how to talk to to women throughout the movie. It just keeps he keeps like pushing so. I guess from a Did woman's you... perspective, I guess I kind of see it that way now. No, that that definitely makes sense. <laughs> and that's something that I wouldn't have thought of. So, that, no, that's why I got you. Well, it's not why I've got you here, but it's a good <laughs> thing about having you on the podcast, Ali, is you've got a different perspective. Um, there must have been more that holds up the worst. I, I was wondering from your perspective, you know, being married to, I, I don't know if this, uh, the terminology I'm not great with. Latino. Latin, Latin American. Yeah. Latino. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you've got this whole like Colombian scene and from what I've read about the trivia, like there's parts where they're speaking like like they're using Spanish words or they're using Spanish accents. And I didn't I wondered if that was like 
offensive in the way that uh you know if, if you had an australian <laughs> movie and they were speaking with a new zealand accent or a british accent which sometimes happens as my, an aussie you're like come on what is this <laughs> my, unfortunately i didn't get to watch it with my husband he has seen it but um he doesn't recall much from it but um i mean he, he whenever we watch anything and they are implying that like they're meant to be speaking a specific like spanish dialect especially when yeah. it is mexican and they're not like they're speaking um like spanish spanish from spain or yeah. they're speaking like you know he usually calls it out but um right. i'm pretty actually impressed with the very basics that i've learned currently and how <laughs> i was watching those scenes kind of going like oh something's not matching up there but it could be because it was meant to be colombian spanish so which could they could use different words differently so yeah, I mean, I, I was impressed with Brendan Fraser's Spanish, for starters, but um, yeah. <laughs> as someone that doesn't speak it, yeah, it, it was interesting to read, like, there was, like, a word that they used specifically that's only, like, used in Spain, I think, mm. like an insult or something, mm. and it's it, it's just, like, I think if you were Colombian, you'd be like, hang on a second. Yeah, that's <laughs> What's not right. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was also, like, at the start of the movie, I noticed when they're at the bar and they're like daring him to go and talk to to the girl and he's like scared to do it i think the orlando character says like something like oh he's gay or he he must be i told you he's gay or something like that like Mm. because he won't go and talk to her and i was like like that's kind of a weird comment to make for i mean i guess these characters are meant to be like the bad guys but it was also just like a little tiny jab that was like in the Almost like in the background that yeah. wouldn't probably be in there now. Now front and center, yeah. No, it's just true. Like those characters themselves were um, obviously there for the conflict to kind of push him. But um, yeah, there's, there's, there are a few other little lines that kind of get thrown in. And you're kind of like, ooh, ooh. Like you probably couldn't <laughs> say that now. So Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been 20 years. So that's bound to bound happen. To happen. <laughs> Who would be the most offended? I didn't have anyone written down here that would be like, cancel this movie because it's so bad. But there's yeah. probably, a, you know, we've mentioned like Colombians, gay people, yeah. possi- possibly like women in general, based on what you've said just before. Look, um, I, I still enjoy the movie. I wasn't necessarily super offended by it. I, like, I got to say, like me <laughs> watching it recently and then kind of realizing I'm like realizing that he was he had a creep mentality. I was like, oh, that kind of ruins it for me a little bit. But, you know, either way, I still enjoy the movie. It just it's an interesting way to watch it now, as opposed to how I previously watched it as, oh, he's a romantic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's forcing her like one of some of his wishes go against like the genie wish like you can't make someone fall in love with you he's like i want her to be in love with me yeah i want her to be (laughs) married to me i want her to you know yeah Yeah. exactly um (laughs) uh because we we mentioned uh the emotional the very uh sensitive guy and i said Mm -hmm. then like you kind of pointed out he's got red hair and he's got freckles and i'm like why why was that associated with the sensitive guy like is 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 that choice was made for a reason um, is mm. it because, you know, they're, they're usually sensitive to, like, sunlight? Like, is that why? Like, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, was... I didn't go that way. Yeah. I, I, for me, it was like, he's going to get bullied by these jocks. So, what's, like, what's like the anti-jock? Oh, let's make him, like, a, a ginger, basically. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. <laughs> I thought, like, they, they definitely picked this for a reason. Um, so, I thought, like, maybe that could be viewed as like a slightly offensive of like uh you know gingers are overly emotional or something like that 
Um, it's possible. I mean, they could have just been trying to go for like a starkly different look with each uh, character. character. Yeah. So, you know, you had the Colombian drug lord with the dark hair. You had the basketball player with like the albino kind yeah. of style look. Oh, I wrote down when um, Elliot was the basketball player, it's implied that he's obviously not intelligent. Um, uh-huh. but, but obviously they went down the route to give him a southern accent to further imply oh. that he's not intelligent. <laughs> right. So... Yes. They, they made that choice. So yes, that could be viewed as offensive. And um, I said that um, the when he's the successful author, um, uh-huh. the implication that only a gay man would understand theatre, like that's that was the pop quiz to prove that he was gay, was that, sure. you know, he got asked about a theatre production and he's like, oh, I am gay because I know that. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That's, that's a, that's yeah a, that's a, that, that being the giveaway was like... Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was also curious. Um, like, I was curious how really strong religious people would feel about this movie um, because there's, like, mm. a lot of discussion about terms that, like, you know, some for some religious people, like, probably there's a bit more of a deep dive, like, especially, like, a person's soul and how that relates to the Bible and you know, people yeah. and their um, relationship with God and everything. And then also the <laughs> implications of saying that there is a devil, the devil's a woman, and God is a black man. Um, and that the relationship that they have is quite friendly as well. Like they're, you know, I understand that there's always been the discussion that without God there is no devil, vice versa. Like without good there is no bad. But like I just the fact that they chose these two people to also play these characters and then, you know, playing chess friendly. Like, I'm just, I was very curious, like, would that be offensive to dig down religious mm. people? Yeah, possibly. Like, there's always someone that's offended by something. But to me, <laughs> growing up, like, in a Christian home and being, you know, ha- having faith now, I don't see this movie as as, like, blasphemous in that sense because... Uh, to start with, the devil's like the bad guy. Like it's not like they're trying to make the devil look like, uh, like like some kind of badass like hero, which happens in some movies, I think. Um, so like, technically, the theology holds up. Where like you know the, the, they, you know, we say the devil, the devil was sent to like kill and destroy basically, and she's there to ruin Elliot's life and she's there to, you know, cause havoc and uh, come across like, you know, as something that's alluring and tempting, but actually it's just going to tear you to pieces. So Mm -hmm. that holds up, I think. Um, The whole idea that the devil and God are friends is not, it's definitely (laughs) not like, that doesn't hold up (laughs) to to like what what we believe in in the Bible. Um, And I I think like I, I did read in the trivia that the character that, people assume including me is god in this movie the the cellmate that he has when he's in prison mm. is actually not meant to be god it's apparently like an angel that's sent down to meet with um you know elliot and talk to him and i yeah. don't think that really changes anything as far as like True. them being friends um it, it it's almost like they're like rival competitors in different businesses the way that they've done it in the movie Mm -hmm. but it is a comedy it's a fantasy like it's it's not like offensive to me at least in that sense um yeah i was just very curious because like 
like even even the relationship that the devil has with Elliot, like even at the end, like she says, like I, you know, I I really like you. I think you're great. Like you know, like they like, and even he says, like you know, I think you're nice too. Like they like he has like a friendly like ends up with like a friendly relationship with the devil. Like where I'm like. Yeah. But that's look bad that like, oh, you know, we're buddies. Like, thanks for everything. Thanks for the moral lesson. You're you're a swell gal, like, you know. Yeah. That it's it's definitely not the view that we would have yeah. <laughs> of Satan. Yeah. I think. But um it's it's almost more the like the pop culture c- mm-hmm. character that's being created. Like you know, South Park kind of style. I yeah. Think is is more what they're going for. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, I don't think anyone would be watching this thinking, like, I'm going to get, like, a religious Just, lesson yeah. from this movie. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, it's 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 fantasy at the end of the day. It's not real. Like, it's not a real... It's I don't think it's meant to be, like, a theological uh, lesson. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but having said that, there's some good messages. I love how like Elliot's like you can't have my soul. It's my soul, and she's like, oh, you don't need it. What are you using it for anyway? He goes, oh, he goes. I need my soul. What do you need my soul for? She goes, what are you, James Brown? Like, yeah. is that another like dated reference? I don't know. I love that. Yeah, no, yeah, I like that reference too. Um, and the fact that she, he's like, well, why do you want it? And she, mm. like, I don't think she answers the question, but that's like the giveaway that he shouldn't be giving it up is that she wants it so bad. Exactly. So does this movie pass the internet relevancy test? I say no. I don't think I've ever seen it referenced in like internet memes or anything like that. Uh, I, I said pretty much not. Um, you can sometimes yeah. get the sunset gif of him crying when you type in things like sunset, yeah. sensitive crying and stuff but i don't know how many people would actually know what that was so i would say no in comparison to other films of the era i'd definitely say no um would smartphones and social media change this movie at all i think that they're basically irrelevant to this to this like the pager would be a phone i guess that's probably (laughs) like the key difference because it's a fantasy movie it doesn't really it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, basketball Elliot would be able to just type in devil instead of figuring out what numbers he had to press. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did say that, like, with um, smartphones and social media, maybe um, the wishes would be slightly different in um, interpretation mm-hmm. of what success could be. It, you might see the interpretation of, like, you know, vlogging yeah. or something like that. But um, overall to the change and result of the movie i don't see if it would have made a major difference yeah that kind of rolls into like what would it look like today if you could make it today and i think yeah like the the successful guy instead of being like a theater person <laughs> or whatever maybe yeah maybe he is like an instagram model or something exactly and he's like an influencer and he's got this amazing life and then you know he walks into his bedroom and there's a, a dude in there or, or whatever it is mm. uh, uh yeah, so do you think that they could make a movie like this now? Oh, 100%. With the the yeah. basis of like essentially the concept that they were trying to get across about, you no know, it doesn't matter how what you perceive as, you know, success or what peop what you want in life or what's the greatest thing that you could imagine, mm. sometimes, you know, it never turns out the way that you think it is. Like it definitely could be done now. 
Yeah, it's a story is probably old as as uh, movies. Yeah, <laughs> since it was you know since as your mum knows it was a nineteen sixty seven comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the useless trivia that I want to throw out here is just that there's a cut. There's a scene that was cut from the movie um, where oh. he made a, a wish to be like a rock star. You can find this on YouTube. Um, what? The the devil kind of like leads him down this path of like, you, you keep trying to be like these nice guys, but women want like a bad boy. And he's like, yeah, like make me a rock star. And then there's a whole scene where he's like on stage and it's like a kind of like an Ozzy Osbourne style kind of oh, thing. Wow. And he's out there and he's got a British accent like, and he's rocking out and then he goes backstage and... Um, is it Allison? Was that her name? Yeah. The love interest? Yeah, she's like one of his groupies and she's like on drugs and she ODs. And it's oh like my gosh. This whole thing. And it was like considered too dark. Yes. To, to <laughs> stay in the movie. And I think he's like sw- like dropping like F-bombs and stuff. Ozzy Osbourne style. Because I think like this might have been right around like when Meet the Osbournes was like the big thing. Like the verge of reality TV. Possibly. So, yeah, I wonder if that's why it was included in there but eventually cut <laughs> yeah i mean like so, yeah. the the concept of like girls like because he was trying to paint like you know the things the the most iconic things a male can be like that mm-hmm. women would want and yeah bad boy rock star definitely fits a trope of what women want essentially um but now i need to yeah. see what that it's is but it sounds that... dark it yeah, sounds yeah. really dark <laughs> yeah it is, yeah. There's, there was actually a, f- a few things that were cut because of the, a similar kind of thing where it was either too dark or it was too pathetic. Like, it made Elliot look too sad. Like, wow. too cringy, basically. <laughs> so, they, they had to, like, shorten some scenes, I think. Hmm. It's time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. This is a tough one because there's, you know, not many... <laughs> there's not many roles. Like, there's so many actors that have, like you know, multiple roles or there's just like the main two people, main three people in the film. Mm. Someone I did write down was Brian Doyle Murray, which is, you know, Bill Murray's brother. You might recognize him from uh, Groundhog Day. He's the guy that like brings the groundhog out. But he plays like the priest that they meet in the, you know, in the church that gets him arrested for some reason. Like, I don't know why a priest would call the cops. because I love that scene because he says, the priest is like, you can tell me, son. And he's like, no, I really want. And see, this is why I think that guy is not an angel. It is God. Or maybe it's the voice of God. That makes sense. We're going dogma rules yeah. here. Um, yeah, okay. But he says, I want to talk to God. And he goes, no, you can tell me. You can confide in me. And he's like, well, I yeah. saw myself the devil and blah, 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 blah. And now she won't even, because she concludes a wish with the big back, which I didn't even want. And then, yeah, he calls the police to send him. <laughs> devil owes yeah, me a not- big Mac. Not a good um, church leader that calls the cops on its uh, yeah on its people, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He, so he was the only one that I wrote down because you know I mean some of those guys like Orlando and Paul Adelstein had some cool little parts as like you know the sports announcers, the bullies, and, and whatever. But um, you know they're in the movie too much to probably be the spark plug. So I, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a nothing category this time, but I, I wanted to give it to to him unless you could think of anyone else. I think that's probably accurate. Very, very minimal roles here to kind of be handing yeah. out. So I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. To wrap it up, is Bedazzled still a good movie? Yes. 100% yes. yes. If I'm on this episode, I'm probably going to say yes. I love all these yeah. movies. 
Well, I'm glad like it sounded like you were down on some parts of it, but obviously not enough for for you yes. to you know be dissuaded from recommending this. I, I think if you've never seen Bedazzled, it holds up and you could get a good kick out of it. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like there's obviously there's a few little data things in there. There's maybe a little thing, a few things in there where you kind of go, oh, like, oh, that's a bit, you know, but um, <laughs> for the most part. A bit part, 2000s. Yeah. A bit 2000s, yeah. bit non-PC. Um, but... For the most part, the overall story and the um how how it eventuates and the comedy that's attached to it and you know Brendan Fraser, Liz Hurley, they're all fantastic. Mm. So I think it could be quite enjoyable. Yeah, I think we've covered off all the reasons why it's worth watching, why it holds up. It's it's if you're a Brendan Fraser fan or you want to know what he's about or Liz Hurley, this is a, a really good snapshot, <laughs> you know, of the comedy, the comedic side. Like uh, the Mummy's great for everything that Brendan Fraser could do, but this is way more just down like his range as a comedic actor. Like that's another thing that we didn't mention is him playing all these different characters so differently, which is really impressive Mm. from a comedic performance. Um, And it's just, you get to see what Brendan Fraser can do or could do as a, as a comedic actor. And that's really cool. Um, You know, there's a good message despite the flaws that you've pointed out in the character. (laughs) Sorry. I think, yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 a it's a really um you know it really like shows that the movie probably was written by a male perspective like a lot of these especially 90s and 2000s movies were. Yeah. We just did we just did super bad which was like completely written from you know a male perspective and it, it's it's I guess you know Ryan Betson was arguing like that's the point that's the audience that it's for. This probably isn't that type of thing. I think I it think was. They could have. Yeah, I think this was actually more meant to be for like fam. Like, was it a family movie? Was it? Yeah, I, I don't I, know. I, I guess so. There's not like any sex scenes or really bad. Like they did. I mean, like I said, they cut the dark parts and the yeah, swearing the yeah. out of it to make it a bit more. Yeah, family. and you watched it with your family. Yeah, well, that doesn't say much. Um, <laughs> but, and I also want to you know go back to I know that like it's been good watching it this second time around, and then obviously noticing this whole different aspect that kind of maybe made it a bit sour for me in this character of Elliot played by Brendan Fraser. But I do appreciate even through this all, and we talk about the you know the token happy endings, he. It's good mm. that he didn't get what we thought would have been the happy ending, which was oh he ends up with Allison, but no he he yeah. finds he actually finds his perfect match. It wasn't Allison all along. There was this other person out there for him who was perfect. So that, that looks just like her. That looks reason. just like her, <laughs> but <laughs> we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. Like couldn't couldn't they just have got someone another attractive actor to, <laughs> well, clear- to be? Clearly, they had yeah. a budget on actors because they only had so many. So just true. keep reusing yes, it. Look, going back to one thing that kind of bothered me was his one of his last wishes, which I always forget about, which is the president one, where he turns into mm. um, Abraham Lincoln. Abe Lincoln. He he specifically just says like he he's sick of the whole pursuing Allison thing, and he's just like I just want to do something right for the world. And he you know the devil makes him Abraham Lincoln, but Allison's still there. She introduces herself at the thing. I'm yeah. like, why is she there? All, all the people, yeah, all the people are like reworked into his life. It yeah. doesn't make any yeah. sense. As, as like, it's like instead of just his reality changing, the whole of reality changes. Exactly. Every single wish. Yeah. And the Big Mac thing was uh was is ridiculous. I have to say, like, he hadn't even signed the contract at that point, so I don't know 
you know, maybe there was a, a clause in there about like retroactive wishes. You didn't but, have uh, to pay for it. And you didn't get any fries. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> screwed him over with that one. But hey, it is the devil. Um, that's it for the episode. Uh, we can we can tell you that uh, we'd love to see some podcast ratings and reviews, either in you know Apple Podcasts, Podchase, anywhere like that, that can help get the word out about Comedy Rewind and the rest of the amazing content on the 8-Bit Network. Ali, have you got anything you want to flag coming out? Just Hungry Gamers as usual? Yeah, just the weekly show of the Hungry Gamers. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, just check the socials and everything. We're now posting some clips from the Hungry Gamers, so um, check it out. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And where can people find you on the socials? You can find me everywhere at Miss Ali Hart. Very good. And you can catch me at Jono himself. And until next time, dear listeners, thank you again for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Be kind. <laughs>